You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, 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 well. Hello. There can be nothing worse than having to do that. But I had to do it. It's too difficult. It's too difficult to mute two different devices at the same time. We are live on Twitter, live on Discord, um, and the podcast version will be ready afterwards. Lots of stuff going on. And first and foremost, we have our Alpha Beta talk today at 3 p.m., Mr. Bruce Turkel. Um, I'm promising the thousandth person, possibly a hundredth, most likely not, but possibly. You never know. Um, but yeah, registration is ticking along and just excited to continue uh, the conversation and continue building momentum for Alpha Collective. <clears throat> we have some new members to announce today. So it's it's a busy day. It's a very uh, busy day and um, perfect, perfect conversation or perfect time to discuss the topic of today, which is procrastination, uh, but really just this idea of decision, decisiveness, 
lack of decision, etc., um, etc. Et so, um, what I'm going to do is we'll we'll see. <clears throat> I'm going to try and do a little bit of a test later. So, if you are in Discord today, maybe you'll come up, uh, Rini. Maybe you'll come up to the stage if you can. Just at, not now, but like some at some point closer to a normal hour, your time, so that we can just get a sense whether people on Twitter can hear people on, on uh, Discord, whether people on Discord can hear people on Twitter, um, and we're going to be testing that with Clubhouse and just kind of get to see if it's possible to walk and chew gum um, at the same time. I hope it is. I really do. Um, but yeah, so let's talk a little bit. I'm going to find a link. Um, and uh, the link, <clears throat> I mean, there there are, I'm sure, better links out there, but this is just the one I found. Uh, I keep on reminding myself, I'm going to put this link into the uh, cafe chat in, uh, in Discord um, to reference Napoleon Hill's uh, Think and Grow Rich. And I heard about this in the book Traction that I was reading for EOS. Um, and I'll, I'll just read you uh, the blurb. Where is it? Is this the blurb I wanted? Yeah. Uh, the importance of being decisive. One of the biggest obstacles that we face, which can keep us from moving forward with our lives, is our difficulty when it comes to making decisions. This may be because we're too hesitant of making the wrong decision or that we are overwhelmed by the sheer number of options that we have. Our resultant indecisiveness prevents us from taking any action at all. This is emphasized by Hill who states, quote, procrastination, the opposite of decision, is a common enemy that practically everyone, everybody must conquer. Hill believes that indecision is a habit that usually begins in youth. The habit takes on permanency as a child goes through school and sometimes even through university or college without uh, definiteness, Definitiveness. Definiteness? Definitiveness of purpose. I've actually never seen the word definitive. Definitive. Def, no, it doesn't say. It says different. It says de, definite. Definiteness. Definiteness. Is it meant to be definitiveness or definite? Definiteness. It's interesting. Anyway, but <laughs> I digress. I'm procrastinating. Uh, let's read that again. Hill believes that indecision is a habit that usually begins in youth. The habit takes on permanency as a child goes through school and sometimes even through university or college without a definiteness of purpose. He argues that, the quote, the major weakness of all educational systems is that they neither teach nor encourage the habit of definite decision. The habit of definite decision. There's a lot of meat in this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, when looking at the information gathered from over 25,000 men and women who had experienced failure, lack of decision was almost top of the list of the 30 major causes. Hill claims there is no mere, this is no mere statement of theory, it is a fact. Hill's analysis of several hundred people who accumulated fortunes well beyond the million mark, the million dollar mark disclosed the fact that every one of them had had every one of them had the habit of reaching decisions promptly quote this is quote and changing these decisions slowly reaching decisions promptly and changing these decisions slowly he goes on to say 
that people who fail to accumulate money without exception have the habit of reaching decisions, if at all, very slowly, and of changing these decisions quickly and often. Keeping our own counsel, little subhead. Hill claims that the majority of people who fail to accumulate money sufficient for their needs are generally easily influenced by the opinions of others. They allow the media... So, I'll read that again. Hill claims that the majority of people who fail to accumulate money sufficient for their needs are generally easily influenced by the opinions of others. They allow the media or the opinions of those who surround them to do their thinking for them. Hill outlines his belief that opinions are the cheapest commodities on earth... Everyone is a flock of opinions ready to be wished upon anyone who will accept them. As a result, if you're influenced by the opinion of others when you're reaching your own decisions, Hill argues that you will not succeed in achieving your goal, especially when it comes to trying to realize that goal into money. Um, There's a little bit more. I just find this absolutely fascinating. Um, Often, uh, we can let the fear of embarrassment prevent us from forming or sharing our opinions. Friends and family can, while not meaning to do so, mock your opinions in an attempt to be humorous. Hill describes how this can result in thousands of men and women carrying inferiority complexes with them through life because someone destroyed their confidence in jest. Hill emphasizes the importance of recognizing that you have a brain and mind of your own. Use it and reach your own decisions. Keep your own counsel. If you need facts and information from other people to enable you to reach your decisions, acquire it, but be confident in your decision once you have reached them and follow them through. Last little section in this says, actions speak louder than words. As Hill has emphasized, those who reach decisions promptly and and, and definitely, definitely, uh, and definitely know, why can't I get this word right today? As Hill has emphasized, those who reach decisions promptly and definitely know what they want and generally get it. Uh, the leaders in every walk of life decide quickly and firmly, and Hill believes this is why they are leaders. However, he highlights that people make room for them not only because their words show they know where they're going, their actions do too. He writes, tell the world what you intend to do, but first show it. Ultimately, reaching a decision is not enough in itself. You have to act on it. Financial independence, riches, desirable business, and professional positions are only within reach of the person who chooses to expect, plan, and demand these things. So there is a lot to unpack in that little in that little blurb from Think and Grow Rich. And uh, I want to work backwards. I'm going to actually just kind of touch on the last thing first and then jump all the way back to the beginning. Um, so it, it, it strikes me that, um, first of all, I would say the only caveat here, and I am like just kind of jumping around, is I think if you make decisions too quickly, um, it can backfire. I think if, you, uh, if you're so reactive, so instinctive or instinctual, um, there is the possibility of making rash decisions. So I think it's just important to temper this, you know, if I may be so bold as to uh, riff on the great Napoleon Hill. Um, my, my comment is, look, there is, there is a huge middle ground between making a decision too quickly and too slowly, right? And, and certainly I love this idea, right? Winners, leaders, you know, successful people tend to make decisions quickly and change them slowly. 
I think we should go with that statement, um, but we have to just also make a tiny little asterisk or caveat that actually says if you make it too quickly, too rash, too impetuous, um, and you don't have enough facts, well, I mean, you know, that's not a good thing, clearly. When you don't listen to people at all, that's not a good thing, clearly. So, you know, they are leaders, but they are also bad leaders. And I think ultimately, if we're having a decision about leaders and followers, well, then in general, we're going to say quickly, if we're t- having a decision or, ma- or having a discussion about good leaders and bad leaders, um, then we might be able to just temper that with making decisions too quickly. Um, so anyway, let's go back to the beginning. Um, first of all, um, and I'm just going to highlight some of these points. Um, first of all, we see this idea um, that actually says procrastination is the opposite of decision, right? So what it, what is it to procrastinate? It is to delay making a decision. So if you are indecisive, by definition, you are a procrastinator. I mean, ergo, right? Is that the right word? Ergo, ceteris paribus, lipso, uh, ipsum dorum, I don't know, something like that. So it's interesting um, when, when um, you know, and I, I tell you, like, I get quite affected by this because uh, my kids are um, uh, incredibly indecisive. My kids procrastinate. Um, and it's kind of troubling to read this because, you know, what is what this is saying is it's not going to get better. It's going to stay the same or get worse. So, like, I need to go back to my 22 to 16-year-old and say, you've got to understand that according to Napoleon Hill or just, you know, according to popular research or whatever, that this is actually something that has been, um, you know, picked up and studied and and you need to kind of shake this bad habit right now because it can follow you um, through life. Um, I think in some respects, <clears throat> if I may riff on this for a little bit, having, um, you know, having soft goals or deadlines, um, or moving targets, uh, reinforces this bad behavior. So, you know, if, if the point that is being made here, which is the major weakness of all educational systems, is that they neither teach nor encourage the habit of, of definite decisions, well then, you know, we've got to, like, I think, I think um, how many second chances um, my son gets, Right. Um, and you know, why, why it isn't, and why we don't just enforce this idea that says, if you miss the deadline, you miss the deadline, you get a zero. I mean, I even do it when I'm teaching the curriculum for the syllabus, the curriculum firmly states every day that you're late, um, every day that you're late, uh, you're going to get, you know, 1%, 2%, 3% and eventually an entire grade taken off. Do I enforce it? No, I don't. But by not enforcing it, I I enable it. I allow it. I perpetuate it. Um, I'm not helping my students by giving them that that wiggle room or that leeway. It makes it viscerally, not viscerally, just even, you know, it just makes sense to do that, to give them a break, a chance, because they always send in the SOP stories, you know, the dog ate my homework, you know, the, the, the train was late, the power went out, uh, you know, there's always an excuse, there's always an excuse, I'm having personal problems, I'm having, um, you know, 
whatever. You know, it's it's like cry me a river, but but instead I cry with them in the river. Um, and so I give them the extension or the break, etc. But it's it's the worst thing I can do. I see that. Doesn't mean I'm gonna change. <laughs> but it's hard. You know, it's hard to be able to do that. And then of course I also realize not only am I doing them a disservice, I'm also not doing the people in my class a service who actually submitted their papers on time. And ultimately, you know, if we want to just unpack this slightly and talk about procrastination and decision and decisiveness and indecision, you know, you you got to bring in the subject of time management and the ability to plan and the ability to time block and the ability to like, why do we always start an assignment or or a project the day before, the night before? Why are we always cramming? You know, thinking from a studying standpoint, it doesn't make sense and yet we do it. Um, we're hardwired, but can we, you know, what's the word, the the neuro uh, neuroplasticity, can we teach ourselves, can we unlearn, can we learn, can we move things around, the answer has to be yes. I mean, I, I'll tell you, um, one thing that I heard anecdotally in, in, in response to this whole discussion was actually something that, that is in the book uh, Traction, which is kind of the the, the main book that preachers and teachers EOS, um, is that it's better to make the wrong decision quickly than it is to, to not make a decision at all. So that's like kind of a, that's a crazy point, right? Rather make the wrong decision quickly than not make any decision. Um, I, you know, I mean, so, so you actually have like three, it's actually three items here, right? One is you make a decision quickly one is you make a decision slowly, and, and, and one is you don't make a decision at all. So you have a continuum, I guess, right, uh, from quick to slow, uh, to no, actually. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, from quick, it's from quick to no decision, and slow is somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think that's an amazing point to actually realize that making that decision is actually better than not making a decision, or i.e., you know, delaying it, putting it off, anguishing over it. Um, I've often said, um, I've spoken um, uh, about my sister, who I used to uh, basically, I call it kind of the octopus effect, um, which, is, which is she'd come to me and, um, and she'd, say, uh, she'd say, well, I don't know what to do um, about, you know, whatever. Should I, should I open up a new store? I mean, a new... Uh, I'm just making this up. It's a hypothetical, right? Should I close down this branch? Should I open up a second branch? Should I increase the prices? Um, and so she'd say, you know, on the one hand, um, you know, I found that, I'm just using this as an example because she has a spinning club. I found that uh, we have an affluent, um, you know, target audience. And so increasing the price by one pound isn't really going to tax them that much because of their status. But on the other hand, they tend to be very price conscious and they notice everything. Um, but on the other hand, um, they would understand because they're part of a community um, and they, you know, and, and they would understand about the, you know, everyone's having issues with electricity bills. Um, but on the other hand, um, everyone is now moving towards Peloton or whatever. And at one point, uh, I would stop her and I'd say, you know, Sharon, you only have two hands, right? You're not an octopus. And she would always kind of get, you know, get to the point where there were eight other, eight other hands. So we're not, 
an octopus. We need to be able to, we can analysis paralysis ourselves, right? This, this article or this little blurb or, or, or kind of excerpt from, um, uh, from Think and Grow Rich, um, it, it talks about, um, you know, it, it talks about successful people versus uh, unsuccessful people. It talks about the ability to make um, decisions and be decisive about those decisions, but it also talks about trusting others or, or maybe being led or swayed too much by others that may talk us out of a decision. But guess what? We can talk ourselves out of a decision too. We can absolutely um, second-guess ourselves. And, and actually, the longer we take to make a decision, the more likely we are to talk ourselves out of it. Um, and, and yes, you can argue, but on the other hand, right, I'm only going to give you one other hand, maybe taking a little bit more time can actually help you to um, gather some more facts, get a few more opinions, um, get a second opinion. Um, those of you that have been following me for a while, uh, those of you that have read Built to Suck or heard me talking about uh, red teaming or embracing your heresy or 12th man, sometimes it does make sense to have a system or structure that is designed um, to present a contrarian point of view or a counterpoint or, uh, or something that is absolutely structured to not just talk you out of that decision, uh, but actually fight for another decision. But that's, that's similar and yet different. Um, I think the point that I wanted to make as we keep going is the importance of recognizing that we can also um, fall prey to our own indecisiveness or to our own doubt or self-doubt and talk ourselves um, out of a decision. So moving back down the argument, I mean back the, the, the article, um, so there's you know this information gathered from over 25,000 men and women who had experienced failure and lack of decision was almost top of the list of the 30, uh, 30 major causes, so much so that Hill says this is not theory, this is not conjecture, um, this is fact. And then he contrasts that against several hundred people, the millionaires, billionaires, uh, and such, and found out that they all were the exact opposite. They made decisions quickly, decisively, and they changed them slowly. So I think that that's another huge point here, right? The ability to make a decision and stick with it. Now, I would call it endurance. You know, I would call it, um, I would call it, you know, the, it's the long game. Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, when you look, uh, look at people around you, look at people that, that they, you know, they start a podcast, for example, and you just know, you just know that they're not going to stick to it. You just know that they're not, that in six months time, they will have moved on to the next thing because they just don't have the staying power, the stamina. They don't have the chops. Um, they say they might, but ultimately, you know, they're too impatient. Um, so it's it's interesting, right? Because there's a new thought that I want to in, in, introduce here, right? Impatience, actually, it's almost like you've got to be like decisive, and patient, right? Decisive and patient. Patient might seem to say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Doesn't that mean take more time? Yes, um, but when it comes to making the decision, you have to be decisive. You have to be quick moving. When it comes to changing that decision, 
You have to be patient and slow moving. There's your model, you know, ladies and gentlemen. That's the model. That's the model of winners. Now, again, I'm going to fast forward to the end, uh, maybe not the end of the article, but just like you don't want to change or make decisions too quickly, you also have to be careful on the back end that you don't change decisions too slowly. So there's your guardrails right on either side. So I look and I think, uh, I look at my, you know, I look at, I'll use Collective Cafe at the moment, decided to move um, to, um, to Twitter, decided to start a podcast. Many of the decisions that I've made with Collective Cafe have been very quick decisions, decisive. Oh, that's a great idea, Bez, let's do that. Boom, the next day or four days later, there's a podcast. Let's just, screw it, let's do it, right? Um, and so I'm doing that, you know, but then, you know, had an idea, let's, let's go on location, let's, let's leave, let's, let's move to Twitter, went to Twitter, right, started that, in fact, on the Friday of that week, um, it has been three days, four days, um, it's, you know, like a ghost town, not working, it's not working, um, so is the decision to bail and immediately, just move on. Well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Yes and no, right? Yes. Well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. The something else isn't go back to where you were. The something else is let's try another. So there, there are a few social audio tools we can try. There's Clubhouse. There's LinkedIn. We still got some other options that still kind of are different executions of the idea, different tactics to solve that strategy or to be able to deliver against that strategy. But if we take a step back, right, before we throw in the towel on Twitter, we should at least ask ourselves, we should do a little bit of a post-mortem. I mean, trust me, I thought of just not even coming back today, but I'm here and I'll be here tomorrow and I'll be on Friday and I have to ask myself a few questions. Gee, I wonder what's going on here. I've definitely got the followers. I get the views. I wonder, am I shadow banned? Um, you know, is there something going on behind the scenes that I'm not aware of? Um, are people kind of, you know, is, is there some nefarious action going on? Or instead of being, you know, too self-conscious or too paranoid, uh, maybe Twitter's just the wrong audience. You know, maybe it's not the right. So you, so I've always spoken about the fact that when you troubleshoot, all right, so a little bit of a tangent here, but a good one, I think. Uh, when you troubleshoot, you know, in terms of leadership or in terms of, you know, um, being an entrepreneur, whatever, it's kind of like, um, well, my, um, my light doesn't work. Okay, the light doesn't work. So now we've got to go through all the different options. Is it the bulb? Is it the socket? Is it the wiring? Is it the, the plug? Is the actual plug itself, or is it the actual outlet, I should say? And only when you've actually cycled through all of them can you actually make an informed decision. My son um, came back from Bali uh, a few weeks ago, um, and uh, they believe he had dengue fever. Um, he, w- he had a high fever. He was in tremendous pain. Um, he ended up going to the ER um, and they ran every freaking test under the sun, including a spinal tap. 
because they had to rule out meningitis. Now, was it necessary? Was it a bit too extreme? Um, I guess yes and no. But the fact that he'd been to Bali and not, I don't know, you know, Miami, when he goes to school there, um, was indication for them to have to exhaust all the options. So I'll spend a few more minutes talking about this. Is Twitter the right platform for Collective Cafe? Yes or no? Uh, is the is it the right audience? Yes or no? Or is it the time eight in the morning? Yes or no? Is it the time, you know, cross tabbed against the audience? Yes or no? Like our you know, which ladders up to a bigger question: Is the collective cafe at the wrong time? Um, and and how open and and that's that's the thing as well. There's there's an extra build here as well. You've got to be quick to make a decision. You've got to be slow to change that decision. But along the way, you have to be open to feedback, criticism, suggestions, alternatives along the way. And it is bloody hard to actually have to accept criticism, especially, you know, 8 a.m. is 8 a.m. Was that a bad choice? Remember, for the OGs that are here, we, we cycled. We thought of ideas. We, um, you know, we... I felt that that it had to be at a at a godly hour. Um, it couldn't be later than eight because then you know people are at work at nine, you know. And seven was interesting. It was a possibility um, at the time. A couple of uh, of early Alpha Collective members didn't like seven, so we kind of moved away from it. I wanted to be responsive to them, um, but maybe sevens are, maybe earlier is actually better, and or. You know, maybe the answer is eight at night. Who knows? We don't know. Sometimes we we can second guess ourselves up the wazoo, um, but ultimately there are lots of moving parts. We can we can use and we can uh, make an informed opinion based on the limited facts we have, um, but ultimately we can't. In some cases, we do need to make decisions on incomplete information. There have to be assumptions. We have to take certain leaps of faith and that's the bottom line you trust your gut how do we make decisions well we make decisions based on on past experiences we make decisions based on the data that we have access to we make decisions based on on other people's opinion and advice um, we make decisions based on gut on skill um, which is the opposite of the data that actually says this is what i feel you know based on you know, everything that I know to be true. And I would definitely caution against making decisions without any data. So just a few kind of riffs um, about this idea of of thinking about, you know, making decisions early, late, not making them at all, um, et cetera, et cetera. I am very, very um, affected by this idea of, like, I love this, love, 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 um, this concept, and then of course it gets into this whole idea of of um, other people's opinions. Um, you know, opinions are the cheapest commodities on earth, um, and it's you know being embarrassed, and it's it's kind of amazing that Hill is actually like making the point um, that people who fail to accumulate money sufficient for their needs are generally easily influenced by the opinions of others. Um, I don't know what to make of that. I, um, you know, I, I feel 
partly that it's a dangerous statement, um, that we, we should be seeking advice, counsel, mentoring. But I guess if I was, if I was reconciling that, I would say, uh, and you've heard me say this before, that 50% of the time we should trust and do what people say to the letter, to the T, and 50% of the time we should absolutely 100% not. That's what I've always said. You know, the entrepreneur has to tap into their reality distortion field, um, but also they cannot be so cut off, so detached, so aloof, so in their own head and own brain that they lose touch with, that they lose sight of, that they're so removed from reality. And it is an art, more so than a science, to know when to go with your gut and when to default or defer um, or, um, you know, kind of go on the advice of others. And I, and I think Steve Jobs is, Steve Jobs was probably much more reality distortion than he was non, um, but that's where you have checks and balances and guardrails and boards and, and the ability to make sure that, that people don't get so carried away and, and um, caught up in their own, I mean, this is, this is where arrogance and uh, hubris can be your downfall. Um, so I think you'll notice that in this, like if we were building this framework, this decision framework, that there are several um, checkpoints or checklists or guidelines or guardrails that have to be in place that actually will help you um, on that continuum. It's almost like the, um, I guess, like bowling, right? You've got the whole um, alley or the whole lane, uh, but sometimes you've got those bumpers on either side just in case you you got a ball on the left or got a ball on the right. And this is typically if you're a kid or you're inexperienced um, or, an, or a, a newbie. Once you're a little bit more experienced, you don't need those anymore. They become second nature. Um, they're essentially invisible to you. Um, so um, I wanted to touch on that point. And by the way, when we get to uh, love to hear some voices, um, it, maybe, I don't know, in about 10 minutes or so and just hear your thoughts because this to me is like so, this whole subject is just, you know, absolutely fascinating. Um, the Before that, I will just, you know, mention that right at the end, it does talk about this idea of action. Just, you know, intention is not enough. Um, you need to kind of uh, follow through with action. Um, so just wanting to make a decision and even making the decision is kind of meaningless if you haven't and if you aren't able to follow through. Um, and I think that that's, um, that's an important riff or build, you know, as well. Just wanting to do something, I'm going to lose weight. I've made a decision. Well, you need a plan um, as well. And you need to actually have um, something, a roadmap, um, uh, next steps. Um, you need to be able to have a system or or process in place to allow you to execute uh, against that decision. Um, so some of these things I think are very, very obvious, um, and some are less obvious. Um, and that's why, you know, just going back to EOS for a second, um, EOS really, th this was like, how did I find out about all of this? It it does come down to, it, it falls in this, section of of the model of the eos model the six key components um 
refer to as issues. You know, the ability to identify an issue early on, be able to identify it at the core, because some, t- some things are, are symptoms of a much larger or bigger cause. Um, the ability to um, discuss briefly, but ultimately then to solve it so that it goes away forever for the greater good of the organization. That's, that's the, um, the umbrella that couches this idea. And so the system is based on, you know, decisiveness. You know, raise the issue if it's a priority and then solve it quickly and move on and, and, and live to fight another day uh, and adjust if you have to, but ultimately, you know, put it in your rear view mirror. And uh, I think everyone has their own system Everyone has their own way of making decisions. Um, I think we also, I would add, we never want to, there's a real danger when we start to second guess ourselves, when we start to doubt our decisions. So that's another build I'd like to add to this conversation, um, which is when we make a decision, we need to stick to that decision and stick with it. The decision has been made, now move on. If we now start, if we get trapped in the quicksand uh, of doubt, right, just as bad as indecision is or indecisiveness is, so too is the, whether we call that uh, cognitive dissonance or we call it, um, you know, self-doubt or second-guessing ourselves, that's going to kill you as well um, because you're always, you're going to be stuck. As I, said, I called it like quicksand. Um, but you're kind of like one foot is in the is is stuck in the past, and one is you know tr- kind of stuck in the present or trying to move forward, um, and you're just going to end up doing the splits. And if you're not uh, supple or limber, you're going to hurt yourself. So that's probably a visual metaphor we didn't need at eight thirty eight in the morning. Um, but that's another thing as well. You know, decisiveness to me is not just the ability to make a decision, it is in fact the ability to stick with that decision. So this idea of, you know, you that that decisiveness, it, it actually runs across the entire continuum. So it's almost like if you were drawing a line, a horizontal line, you'd have another line underneath that actually kind of shows, like if it's a graph, that that it doesn't it doesn't uh, wean. Um, it stays the same decisiveness. Maybe you could even argue it gets even stronger over time because you live with your decision. You, you know, you, um, you kind of run with it. This is, I made this decision, now I'm going to make the most of it, right? Often we say you've got to play the cards you were dealt. Um, that's true. But sometimes, like if I want to extend the metaphor, you play the cards you were dealt and if you're playing... Uh, you know, poker, right, or blackjack, then you ask for a card or two cards or whatever the case may be. Now you've got to live with that decision. Instead of second, woulda, coulda, why did I hit, why didn't I stick, why did I ask for three cards, why didn't I ask for two cards, why didn't I fold? Um, and that kind of analysis paralysis post-decision can be as debilitating, if not worse. Um, regret comes into play. It's just kind of an awful I think, framework. Um, so you can see this this picture emerging that actually says, got to make a decision, make the decision, 
live with that decision, move on. If necessary, you revisit that decision if, if it becomes an issue. But you don't pull the plug. You don't, you don't get stuck in a holding pattern. You're always, always moving forward. Um, and, you know, listen, whether you, uh, you know, whether you believe in the book, in, in, in the concept, um, etc., um, I am, you know, I've, I think the backdrop of this idea of looking at, in this case, we're going to call it success and failure, not like, well, what's failure really, but we're going to call it failure, right? Didn't achieve your goals versus achieved your goals, financial or otherwise. Um, and seeing this very clear um, benchmark or this clear, um, uh, what, what I'm, what's the word I'm looking for, this um, lever, I don't know. It's another word, but I just can't figure it out. But this uh, this decision framework of, Yes, no, this this idea of decisiveness versus indecisiveness or no decisiveness um, at all. Um, and so, yeah, those are my thoughts um, without kind of, uh, I'd love to see if anyone has, does anyone want to add anything, ask any questions, um, you know, build, hello, Rini. Thank you how for, are you? Thank you for making the decision to come up. Yeah, I have been uh, working a lot on this um, because I find it's very closely tied to, um, in my case, and probably others based on what I read, the imposter syndrome. Um, Because, and I'll sort of, you know, give a little background. So when I was seven and our family was living in the Bay Area, my dad, who was uh, at that point a pilot for Pan American, he and three buddies had joined Pan American coming straight out of the Navy. They went on a hunting trip to Oregon, came back and told their wives, and I'm not joking or not in any way making this bigger than it was, uh, we, we've all bought ranches, we're moving uh, to Oregon. <laughs> so literally... In the next few months, we, my dad moved us to a ranch in Oregon off the grid, no electricity. We had a generator um, that worked sometimes, um, our own spring, um, and no telephone out there at that time. And, you know, I was talking with my sister about this as well. We were all thrust into these positions of doing things that... We had no idea what we were doing because my dad was still flying for Pan American. So he'd be off, you know, (laughs) in Rome and call home. And literally I'd be saying, well, uh, there's a snowstorm and uh, I just got, and I was like, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, just got back um, from uh, pulling a calf uh, because the cow went into labor and my mom had a queasy stomach so there was this this growing up with just sort of having to sort of just you know tuck in and do stuff you had no idea what you were doing and which turned into this incredible imposter syndrome which as i've learned more about it has really sort of split into these two areas of anxiety and procrastination um 
and uh, it is it's just interesting to sort of see a all the writings about it now because this has really just become and maybe it's because I've been searching it out, but I've noticed a lot more books and writings about it in the last uh, eighteen months about the connection between these two and three things: the anxiety, procrastination, and imposter syndrome. Okay, anxiety, procrastination, and imposter syndrome. Uh, well, I will tell you if this helps you feel any better, and I've heard this before, and I love it. Which is um, the it's it's a it's a it, it's a statement that that goes as follows. Do you know Do you know who are the only people who don't suffer from imposter syndromes? Imposter syndrome. <laughs> hmm? No, I don't. Imposters. <laughs> that, well, there you go. Yeah. So, so I guess they just suffer from syndrome. Um, yeah. You know, but um, but, but it was interesting because I sorry just to wrap it up because I would find that on the ranch. You know, when faced with, you know, five chores, I would inevitably choose the one that I was a most comfortable with, but was always the one that was least important. Right. So the procrastination of putting off this thing where I'd be more than likely to make a giant mistake, which would then either cost money or an animal's life or something. Right. Versus, well, shit, I can pick up rocks in the garden. No one's going to get hurt there. Although, I did drop a rock on my brother's head once. So I'm fairly <laughs> certain that may have been on purpose, but um Oh yeah. <laughs> one does not one does not just drop a rock on somebody's head. No, no. <laughs> um yeah, I mean well, I mean you're also talking about stakes. So let's yeah. so let's talk about stakes for a second. Let's kind of add a new a new um dimension to this. Um because you you because you're getting into the why as well. Why do we procrastinate? Why do, mm-hmm. do we not make decisions? Because of the stakes. Let's talk about um, let's talk about an issue that's very real. I mean, again, this is kind of part of of now what's in my mind, what's in my head uh, with respect to business coaching and EOS, um, which is this idea of people. What do you do when you have the right person in the wrong seat? or the wrong person in the right seat. In other words, what do you do when you have a people issue? What do you do when you have someone who's a darling, who's been with the company for decades, who is who embodies the, the very essence of the company, the brand, the culture, the values? Um, they're the nicest person in the world, but they just aren't good enough at their job. And, and, and they're making mistakes, or they're not delivering, or you're covering for them, or a whole host of reasons. And the flip side... What do you do when you have someone who's fantastic at their job, but they're a real SOB, they're toxic, they're eating away at your company culture, they're making everyone else miserable, um, they're succeeding at the expense of others. What do you do? Well, you typically procrastinate. Um, You don't make the tough decision because of the fallout, because of the perceived... um, Because, I don't know, I mean, it's like we're human. We, We... most of us are not confrontational. Most of us don't like and thrive on drama and conflict. We might, but not ours, you know. That's why we like watching The Bold and the Beautiful, or we used to, like in decades gone by, or soap operas, right? Other people's drama is fine, but ours, 
not so much. I mean, we just spent uh, had an amazing session on the conflict drama triangle and and Ted. By the way, the author of the empowerment dynamic uh, respond. I tagged him on on LinkedIn. Uh, Jonathan was with me yesterday. We t- he's already responded, so I've kind of reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, you want to come on the show?" Um, so um, the stakes, I think, are important. Part of my answer would be, you know, Rini. Part of the answer, like framing it right, would be, "What are the stakes of not making the decision?" Right. Right. So you've almost got to quantify slash qualify. What are the stakes? The odds, the the implications, the upside and the downside associated with making with with making the right decision versus the wrong decision versus no decision at all. But of course, you know, who knows what the right decision is, right? So then you almost have to overlay that is what are the odds? Like like how how confident are we in this decision? Regardless, right? If we know what the right decision is then it's easy. But if we have to choose between left and right, between high road and low road, between whatever, path A and path B, you know, uh, a road diverged in the, you know, a road diverged in the, in, in the wood and I took the path, whatever, you know, right. less traveled. But, but so what do we do when we don't actually know if it's the right decision? And according to this theory, we've got to make, or at least this, this research, we've got to make a decision. And making a decision is better than not making a decision at all, um, which implies that it may have been the wrong decision. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. listen, if, if you're a, um, he has another example, right? If you're a, um, okay, he has, he has a better example. Uh, Hollywood movie, right? Bruce Willis, Die Hard, whatever, you know, like that kind of movie. How many times have we seen uh, the bomb that has to be diffused there's 10 seconds. On, and why, by the way, is the clock always a digital clock with a red? Right. You know, like, why is it always that clock? You know, like a clock radio. There's 10 seconds left, and there's a red cord and a blue cord, right? One of them you're going to blow the F up, and the other one you're going to save the day. But you've got to make a decision because you've got 10 seconds left. So this is, that's a class, that, that's a real example, right? It's, it's, it's. Sorry, just call that may have just. Uh, um, so you've you you've you've got to make a decision, and and that's in a way I'm going to say easy. Why? Because I've set up the stakes, the odds, um, but but it's easy because you've got ten seconds on the clock. So maybe the answer, Rini, is we need to create, uh, and I'm thinking out loud here, a a false or fake or artificial or real uh, deadline. Maybe that's what allows us to, to, that gives us the ability to, uh, you know, a line in the sand that is immovable. And that's the key, right? The key is no second chances. The key is, I don't care what decision you make, just make a decision and make it by this time, period. Yep. Yeah. So did did you ever going back to I feel like this is almost like silence of the lambs. Um but uh did you did you ever uh, you know because that's Clarice she was with the the lambs. Yeah. Um did you ever 
get into that scenario where you made the decision that could have affected and saved or, 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 or not saved a cow's life? And did you, in fact, save the cow's life or not save the cow's life? The answer is yes. <laughs> I've done both. <laughs> I've done both. Um, yeah, you learn really quickly not to name animals <laughs> when you're young and growing up. Yeah, no. Um, and, uh, you know, made decisions that sort of, you know, uh, messed us up on water for, you know, irrigating the, you know, the fields uh, too late uh, to start the hay or this or that. There's so many things, right, that go on in a business and yeah or a ranch or uh you know or your life um there's always there's a little there's a million little decisions today that have those rippling effects and i think the anxiety comes from your sort of you get you you get in your head about it and you can see the ripple effects right um uh, i have a i have a new um a new t- I have to decide between three titles for this uh, for this podcast episode: the habit of definite decision, the octopus effect, or Bessie the cow. I think I'm going with Bessie the cow. Don't you name go. your cow Bessie. Did you name the, your cow yeah. Bessie? Um, no, but I did name one uh, Rose. Uh, Rose. Yeah um, my my first four a my first four a four h. Sorry. Uh, what, what, Even though it was a steer, I named it Rose. So, what, yeah. what about your dad's decision? When you look back on it now, um, was it was it uh, was it the right decision, the wrong decision? Who cares? The decision was made. Was it impetuous? Um, is there regret? How do you look back on it now? I I think for me, in any way. Um, you know, they just sold the ranch after living there for 50 years last summer, and it was incredibly difficult for me um, because I had sort of tethered myself to this to this place of that had almost become, you know, mythological in my mind, sort of this beautiful ranch, you know, up near Crater Lake and blah, blah, blah. It was horrifying for my mother, who was like debutante of the year and was, you know, as she had said a million times, raised to marry a rich man, <laughs> which, um, uh, uh, you know, of course, you know, did not happen. Um, and for my five brothers and sisters, it was both, you know, for some of them, it was hell. And for some of them, it was, it was perfect. Um, for me, I, I ended up loving it. Yeah. Wow. So this is uh, this decision came at a at a it's a very timely discussion. I mean, just in terms yeah. of the fact that uh, that I mean, I I think we have um, I think you know it's 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 so weird. I kind of in my mind, um, all I can think of at this moment is like I cannot believe more people are not here listening to this conversation. Like this is such a good conversation. That's why I like. That's why I just and. Love- and hopefully feeling better about themselves from it, right? Because we all go through this, right? We all have some form of procrastination. Uh, even people, even type A personalities, um, the studies show that, you know, deal with uh, a procrastination that is very specific to 
to to that type of personality. Um, and well, they have the anxiety that comes along with it. Well, so so I'll just I kind of I'll kind of leave you with just a thought today. Um, uh, actually, what I'm going to do is I'll 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 stop the recording, um, and uh, I'll stop the recording. And if anyone is listening online uh, and wants to uh, and wants to hear how it all ends, the butler did it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.